श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए गुड इवनिंग सो दिस इवनिंग सर स्पीकिंग फ्रॉम द टेक्स्ट द श्रीमद् भागवतम इज यूजुअली इज यूजुअली टू डू इन द इवनिंग टू आवर गेस्ट्स वेलकम अगेन आई विल स्पीक अ लिटिल बिट अ मोर जनरल सब्जेक्ट मैटर and uh what comes to my mind since uh, it it uh, i spent some time on it today is a uh a blog that uh was uh we published on salon.com that's a short um article blog on a um concerning the recent publication of Sam Harris famous atheist the book is called the moral landscape it's not the first of mr harris's books he has um at least two others and they were best sellers the first i think first or the second was uh end of faith hmm? and it was through that book that i became acquainted with mr harris i was in uh, the uh, borders book store in the religious section and philosophical section where i tend to gravitate and there was his book the end of faith so curious as to what that was all about i opened it up i happened to open just mystically if you will to the page in the book near the end of the book where mr harris was speaking about mysticism it's at really near the end of the book he does a couple of paragraphs on that and um what he uh does there is he for the greater balance of the book he um tries to uh relegate faith to the realm of of the superstitious and um and point out how that can be detrimental whereas in the short section about mysticism he um said that the mystic approach uh to spirituality is a uh, a reasoned one it's it's rational faith in his estimation being irrational and the mystic's approach being not a faith based as he thought of it but evidential uh, evidence based you do this you meditate in this way you get this result kind of a kind of an idea um of course i didn't agree with him entirely by any means um that and and neither would many as it turned out would many of his atheistic uh colleagues that mysticism is a rational enterprise um it requires a, quite a bit of faith um and uh, to proceed uh along those lines and uh so he got a little bit of backlash from that and then he backtracked a little bit and and through several articles this is all quite some time ago um but i reasoned in my short article that sam shot himself in the foot um he did it again sam harris does it again was the title of my article what he did was shot himself twice first in the first book in the foot and in the second book 
in the head. Hmm? And uh, what I mean by that is that when he tries to separate mysticism and to put it in a Christian context, if you will, to put it in a Catholic context, the experience, um, the beatific vision, for example, we have many mystic saints, both in Catholicism and, and also in the somewhat um, slightly outside of the context of Catholicism, saints like Meister, Eckhart, and others who uh, maybe who got uh, slightly excommunicated from the Catholic Church. And uh, Christianity has a very mystical um, um, uh, origins. In fact, uh, someone else online today on another um, well-known site where people publish their articles. Um, I didn't read it, but I saw the uh, title and the caption. It was an article that, sh- that talked about the similar- striking similarities between Christian, original Christian and the Catholic Church, which was the only form of Christianity, as we know, at one point in, in, in history, and, and their, their artwork, their religious artwork, and that of the Buddhists. should be an interesting article to read, some similarities and so forth. Um, so, um, um, we can hardly, the point is, we can hardly separate religion from mysticism. In, in fact, mysticism, if you will, which is maybe not the best word to use, but it's a popular term, um, to, to, to label what I might call experiential spirituality, deep experiential spirituality. That is the heart of religion. That is what religion is meant to bring us to. Religion is not meant to be merely a belief and a hope about the hereafter. It's meant to be an experience of the hereafter, if you will, in the now. Hmm? in the form of transforming our lives, changing our lives, and for the better. But for the better doesn't mean because we get more things as a result of our religious orientation, but that we come to realize that the best things in life are not things at all. And as the Bible, I believe, says, what profiteth a man if he gains the whole world and loses his one self or soul? So... Uh, here, for example, in our tradition, the self, when we speak of the self, we speak of the soul. In Sanskrit, it's called Atma. In Christianity, at least in Catholicism, I was raised as a Catholic, you have a kind of an importation, if you will, into the Catholic doctrine from the Greeks of a Platonic, from Plato, idea of, of soul and the, and, and the Thomists, who are a little distinct within Catholicism, who follow uh, St. Saint Thomas, I guess. They, they have a, kind of had an Aristotelian, coming from Aristotle, conception of soul that they factor into, into, the, into, into Christianity. And there was a time, as you are aware, in, in Catholicism, the early church, where there was some exercise of reason in relation to faith, and this was in relation to things that Aristotle had written. That was the beginning of theology, if you will, in Catholicism. Some good scholarship there, and the Protestants carried on that as well. They have their theologians. 
Um, but at any rate, when we speak, as I say, about the self here in, 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 in Hinduism and in the Bhakti tradition, we speak about, the, we mean the soul. We don't say that we have a soul. We say that we are a soul. What we mean by it is we are something that's not material. And that's the something that doesn't die. We know these bodies will die. But there's something about us that doesn't die. And the reason it doesn't die is because it's not material. Because all material things have a beginning and they all have an end. We experience continuously things coming and things going. And we, the point is, are the continuous experiencer of the coming and the going. Of course, it appears that at some point we're going to go and at some point we came also. But that's an appearance. Hmm? Something either in ourselves or in others, we call it consciousness, is constantly observing comings and goings, comings and goings. So there's always a constant observing factor in the mix of the world, and that observance in, a, in, in brief is the observance of com- things coming and things going. So... We call that consciousness. Consciousness here does not mean just the one aspect of consciousness, which is to perceive, like you perceive pain. If you're unconscious, you don't perceive pain or happiness. Hmm? It could be said the more conscious we are, the more we perceive pain or happiness or heat or cold, or as may be the case. Um, But more than that, there is a sense of I, that I am. Hmm? the I am kind of uh, aspect of consciousness. This arises in human life. Animals can also feel pain. Hmm? They can also feel some happiness. So there's consciousness there. Hmm? But that consciousness has not reached a point where it realizes that I am and thinks about itself and philosophizes and, uh, and engages in religion. For example, we find this to be the prerogative of human society. So in our tradition, the idea behind this, of course, is that human life is the vehicle hmm, through which consciousness gets to express itself more fully. And the fullest expression of itself will be to express itself in pursuit of the more that it senses that it is. More than just the body, more than just thoughts, more than just things. It's the more that endures beyond the birth and death of everything, even the dying of the sun. And it endures, and it can realize its enduring self by connecting itself with, um, with God. If we are a ray of consciousness, God is the sun of consciousness. And we are presently experiencing a cloudy day. Where, where we think there's some, we're separate from God. Sometimes we think there is no God, and so forth. That the cloud is of, of confusion or illusion has to be removed, and God can remove that, and we can be united with God in a compact then of love. When we say that in our tradition, we're that the idea goal is to become one with God. We mean to be one in will, not that we become God. That's ludicrous. If we were God in the first place, what would we be doing in, in, in illusion, in confusion? Uh, and if uh, if we and to become God, that doesn't 
doesn't make any sense either. But we can become one with God in love. Hmm? It means we can become one in will with God. Hmm? And that, in the context of pursuing that, this cloud of illusion will be removed. And what we will start to realize then is the mystical experience of what it means that I am consciousness. What is that aspect, if you will, of our self that really is our, our better self? We have a conventional sense of self, like I'm a woman or I'm a man, I'm American, I'm a Californian. Well, this isn't what we are ultimately because this sense of identity is here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, you might be a father today, but you might not have been nine months earlier. Hmm? So your father identity is a, is a changing identity. You were a son. You became a father. You were young. You will become old. This is all relative to the body and the mind. This changing. There's something that's constant in that. That's the observer. That's us. That's what we, by God's grace, is extracted, so to speak, from the, the entanglement of our um, longing for things and so forth. Really, our longing should be for God. Hmm? And in the, so in the context of pursuing that, and longing for God, the self comes out. This is what the mystic experience. The mystic experience is what I'm talking about. That there's something about us that's the real and enduring us, so to speak. The soul. Hmm? They experience it and it transforms their life in, a, in, a, in an extraordinary way. And in all religious traditions, we have people, mystics, saints, if you will, maybe that's a better word, um, who have this experience. And if we were to take notes in speaking to them, we find while they have differences in their religious doctrine and their practices, their beliefs and so forth, their experience of consciousness, beatific vision is a Catholic way of talking about it. I don't know if there's a Protestant way of talking about it. Um, um, mukti, prem, these are Hindu ways of talking about it. Uh, Nirvana is kind of a Buddhist way of talking about it. Nirvana means end, to put out, to extinguish that which is not uh, enduring. Hmm? Um, so, uh, if we took notes, and in Islam you have you have the Sufis. They are kind of the experiencers of of the religious tradition of consciousness. If we took notes from them, from Rumi, from Ramana Harshi, Sri Chaitanya, from Christ. We find. Their experience is, has something in common. I don't mean to say that every religion relates to the same place. Hmm? But every religion worth its um, salt or soul hmm? leads to something more than the limited experience of myself as a Californian, as an American, as a man, as a woman, as a Negro, as a Caucasian, and so forth. Something more. Something even more than, than a Christian, than a Hindu, than a Buddhist, uh, but uh, to be what it means to be a soul. Hmm? And then we may commune with God, commune with God in different respects relative to our approach to God. Hmm? In Bhagavad Gita, one of our main texts, text, uh, the, uh, the Godhead says, as people approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. So there are many different religious paths. And uh, those that are that are genuine all bring people in touch with me to one extent or another. Hmm? 
And each one will think, mine brings me most in touch with God, and that's okay. Why you wouldn't be in it if you didn't think it was if it was if it was so comprehensive. Hmm? And so, what's the objective reality which is more close? That's another thing. But the ultimate determination is what's best for you. Hmm? How do you how how close to God? How, how comfortable do you feel getting close to God? How close do you want to be? <laughs> so there are different religious paths, so to speak. So at any rate, my point in relation to the article and Sam Harris is that you can't really separate mysticism from from religion, from faith. Religion is meant to inspire us to pursue a spiritual, a religious, um, uh, and, and, and a spiritual kind of life, I mean a non-material life. Hmm? Um, and, and as we do so and become grace-filled, so to speak, as a result of that, we get experience of what it means to be a soul. That's what sainthood is about. If you, will. that's what mysticism is about. It's mystical. It, it just means that it defies a reason. It's it's something you can't put under the microscope. You can find people, for example, in the Catholic tradition, saints who who were uh, years ago who who um, lived very very um, simply, humbly. Hmm? Uh, their, con- their living conditions were nothing like uh, the average um, American, very austerely, hmm? very, very kind of otherworldly. And uh, despite the smallness of their surroundings and their facilities, they were big. Hmm? They were big in their feeling hmm? for others. And uh, you have your St. Francis who would you know, even talk to the animals and the birds and so forth. And... and um, uh, big with compassion, a big heart, and so forth. So that that soul we're talking about, it kind of expands by giving and it contracts by taking. The more we're takers, the less we'll be able to understand what speak of see or experience the self, the soul. The more we give, the more we actually grow, the bigger we become, the more our self kind of comes out from underneath the taking that the body imposes upon us because we got to eat, we got to, and we think we need a lot of other things too. So we're kind of on the take. Uh, so to, to reverse that, this is what is at the core of all religious teachings: to give rather than to take. So as we actually give, and when we we can give our things, but ultimately we we realize we're the thing that should be given. We should give ourselves on the altar entirely. And rather than lose, we grow. We may end up poor, but we'll be richer. Hmm? We'll be richer. We'll be wealthy in a real sense. Hmm? And um, and and that is that's kind of mystical. How you can give and have more, but we have to look at such people and say they have more. Hmm? Only, even though they only give, they have more, and we would like that. We're attracted to that moreness. If you will, so that more is the self. That's the soul. They have a piece, of, a, a taste of it, an experience, of it, a glimpse of it. They're living in it, hmm? and so this is kind of the, 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 what what's sometimes called mysticism or saintism. You can't separate that from religion. Religion is meant to foster that. Granted, sometimes religion is at odds with mysticism because religion, in some cases, becomes very materialistic. It becomes an ex- really non 
spiritual and very materialistic. Sometimes and there can be an abuse of anything. So religion can be abused just to, uh, you know, do religion to make more money, to get a bigger house. And, you know, these are not the things to ask uh, God for, <laughs> so to speak. So we find this in all traditions. In Hinduism, for example, we have a, there's a big, there used to be ages ago, the big debate between the Karma Mimamsa sector and the Vedantists. The Karma Mimamsa center, sector would say, religion was for piety and getting, getting things. Hmm. Hmm? And Vedanta would say, no, it's not about that. That's not ultimately what it's about. You're stuck here. Better to approach God for things than not to approach God. But if we approach God even for things, the, re, the, the bigger result will we, we, we start to become attached to God. But if you want things, better to ask God for them. Better to develop the tendency to approach God. That will be the growth in you, not the things that you get. Hmm? If we develop a tendency to approach God in all instances, hmm? that's real spiritual growth. God may give us the things we want, but if we're smart, we'll think, we start to realize the things, what I'm getting more is faith in him. And then I start to think faith in him is everything. Who cares for the things? Then I stop asking for the things. Hmm? I want God himself, <laughs> not the things. He could give anything. You know, What's there for him not to give? Hmm? And what would be the value of all those things hmm? in comparison to knowing him? Hmm? So, so, Religion is meant to kind of help us move along these lines and come to this idea that, like I say, there's more in life than things. There's God. And so you can't really separate the two. So in writing his book, this long book, bashing faith, and a lot of times he's not a theologian, so he's a scientist of sorts, so he's bashing something he's not really that acquainted with in all of its ramifications. He's bashing, you know, the... Uh, the, the Muslims, jihad, you know, in the name of religion, or the Christians can be pretty fanatical. Hindus can be fanatical too. In all sects, we find if some religious fanaticism uh, expresses itself. Hmm. Well, that's the abuse of religion. Hmm. That's all he's really critiquing, in a sense. Um, but at any rate, by giving credence to mysticism, I felt he shot himself in the foot because he's embracing the heart of what religion is meant to bring us to. Hmm? And so uh, there he is at the, at the end of the book. He's embracing the heart of it. So in his argument, I just say he shot himself in the foot. But with his second book now, or his third book that's come out, it's called, what is it called? The Moral Landscape? Hmm? Here he shot himself in the head. This is, <laughs> this is a bad one. <laughs> uh, there he reasons very briefly that uh, I'll, I'll speak very briefly about it, that that meaning and um, measurement should be reconciled. What, what he means by that is meaning has often been um, relegated to uh, religion. In religion we find meaning, hmm? values, Hmm. Measurement, on the other hand, is science. Science cannot give us values. Hmm. It can give us measurements of things. Then what we do with the measurements 
is how we find our values in life. But measurement in and of itself doesn't give us, uh, tell us, in other words, you can't measure what it means to be happy. Hmm? You can measure something and, and, um, and, you, and you can get a handle on something as a result of it, and you can use it in such a way to make yourself happy or to make yourself unhappy and so forth. But certain things, subjective things, things that are relative to the realm of consciousness, feelings, perceptions, um, subjectivity means, well, it's not objective. Ob- measurement is about objective. This is so many feet long. This is a, this is a mathematical equation that proves this. You're not going to come up with a mathematical equation that demonstrates this is what happiness is. So, but he's proposing that here we have this quarrel between religion and and uh, and science. Uh, so, me, measure, me, meaning and measurement. Let's bridge the gap. And here's how he wants to do it. He wants to derive all meaning from measurement. In other words, <laughs> he, he, you can imagine men and women in white coats, the, the happiness squad coming to your house and putting your head up with these things on it, you know, getting impulses on the computer screen to tell us you're not happy today. You're, happy, you're not happy enough. You need to increase this over here and that over there and so forth. Uh, it's a rather um, unattractive um, idea, and it's not very practical. Hmm? It's not going to happen. Uh, you're not going to be able to successfully objectify the subjective half of our life. Subjective half is the feelings half that comes from consciousness, as I said. That half is not material. He assumes, of course, that it is. He considers himself a rational mystic. In other words, he believes that mysticism is rational in that you can look at somebody living in a cave, has nothing, and he's happier than people who have for hundred for fifty years meditating. He's happy, obviously. Why, otherwise, why why is he sitting there? You know, if it was uncomfortable, he would have got up a long time ago. He's he's feeling his soul. He's happy. Hmm? He's blissful. He's communing internally with God. Hmm? And of course, that's what he says. The, the, the mystic says, "I'm in communing with God. I don't need anything." And Sam says, "Well, we don't know if he's communing with the God, but he does seem happy. We'll give him that, you know." And um, and so that's reasonable. It may be a re- reasonable deposit. That's a desirable state. What it is, you know, he says, "That's another thing. We can't, you know, take his." Metaphysical claims about what it is that he's communing with God. We can't see God. We can't. So he's he's a, he's irrational mystic in this way. He believes that the mystical experience is something that can be talked about. That it's a reality. What it is exactly, that's another thing. But it is a state, and it does have some elements to it, like happiness and. Bliss and, and so forth. So he's not a mystic. I don't mean to say a rational mystic by way of experience. He doesn't have the experience, hmm? which would be good to have before you start talking too much about it. But he's not about to do that, or he hasn't been successful, I should say. I suppose. But 
at any rate, he believes, this is his belief, of course, that consciousness is really material. It's not spiritual. There is nothing that endures beyond the death of the body. Hmm? Um, uh, that is his leap, if you will, um, in, in faith. And that is really shooting yourself in the head. That is to try to turn consciousness, the non-material aspect of ourself, into something material. That's, of course, a leap of faith. There's no science to support that. That's a, that's a, 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 a real a jump. And, of course, it goes against the intuitive feeling of every human being that there's more to us than, than meets the eye. And since primitive times, people have been reaching out for the more that they are, the soul that they are, and uh, in one sense or another, trying to make commune, commune with their origins, with with uh, with God. Um, so to again to try to entirely objectify the subjective element in life consciousness, that is um, that's a folly. Hmm? And uh, so he hasn't been getting too many good uh, reviews, and mine was not uh, positive <laughs> for, for him either. So, a um, uh, couple of, to summarize in brief, the points I wanted to make tonight is that is that um, there is real and tangible experience to be had from religion, and when we compare notes with the saints, people who have really influenced um, the world in huge ways. Uh, some of them we not know about, may not know about because we don't live in Asia, for example, but Christ didn't have a big influence in Asia, but in India in particular, but in the West, or China, or Japan for that matter, but in the West, you know, huge, a huge influence. In the East, in India, we have Chaitanya. I read a beautiful article by a Catholic, not a Catholic, a Protestant theologian who said that if all the people of all saints of all times that have ever been described in the history of the world, the one to me, he said, I forget his name, um, that most embodied the love of God that Christ spoke about hmm, was Sri Chaitanya of India, who lived in the seaside village of Puri, where he sung the names of God in a local vernacular, in an ecstasy, swooned and fell and Every time he, the name of God was mentioned, he would go into a, into a trance of, of ecstasy, and tears would pour out of his eyes like showers, you know, tears of love, and like he was melting and so forth. He said, "This is this is what we want, this kind of a thing, you know." And uh, um, so, people like that, your Chaitanya's, your Christs, and and uh, and so on, and the Islam, your Rumi's, uh, these people, they've had a huge impact. On, um, on on society, and if we sh- would take notes and share those notes, we'd see they're all talking about some common ground, some very common ground that lies at the heart of religion. You know, when I was a young boy, we were, again, we were a Catholic family, and the neighbors next doors was in Ch- Chicagoland suburbs in the Midwest, and the neighbors next door were Protestants, and the boy there next door and I were friends. This was a long time ago, uh, you know, about 50 years ago, and um, and one day I learned 
that the Protestants are all going to hell. <laughs> That's what they taught in the Catholic Church that time. I said, oh man, my friend's going to hell. How can I? I couldn't relate to that. You know, we were, had too much in common. I thought, that's not, that's not, pop- we're not doing anything different here, you know, really, uh, substantially, you know. Uh, he goes to one church, I go to another one here, you know, so, so, you know, and then there's those jokes that when you go to heaven, you know, we used to hear this one, when you go to heaven, God, Bob goes to heaven and God's showing him around, you know. And so, uh, he comes to this place and there's this big walls and he said, what's that? High walls. He said, oh, it's the Catholics in there. They're, they want to think they're the only ones here, so we just built big walls up. <laughs> so, of course, it doesn't, you know, it's not only the Catholics. Sometimes the Hindus think they're the only ones, or the Christians in this denomination, or that, and so forth. Uh, so God's bigger than all religions. Um, you know, you, you like, you take a book like the Bible, or like the Bhagavad Gita, I mean, how much can you talk about God? I mean, you cannot say enough. So, even if you talked forever, you know, what the apostles wrote is something and it's substantial about God, but it can't be the, all there is. That's the only thing. There's nothing more. There's, it's as much from a Christian context that words could do justice to. I want to say the experience of God is transcends words. It transcends the ability to think. It's beyond thought. It's beyond words. Hmm? And um, at the same time, different religious traditions talk about it as best they can. And those who are ones that are really of um, really non-materialistic and really really spiritual, they have much in common. Here's one thing we have in common. We all disagree with Sam Harris. <laughs> Involved with all of his books. Bless his heart. So, are there any questions? Bless his soul. <laughs> okay. Well, I know it's a lot to take in. I hope it'll be useful for your class. You met my student Nitai in the class, right? Yeah, we're pleased to have you here in our humble abode in the forest, and um, I hope it's not too troublesome for you to drive home in the windy roads in the dark. You're welcome to spend the night, if you like. No, we'll be all right. Thank you. We'll just go slow. Okay. Thank you for coming. Cece, good morning. Good morning.